Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Karikio. And we are the Movie Nights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions on the world of movies and entertainment, so kick back, relax, and the Movie Nights Roundtable begins now. How's it going today, dude? Good, how about you? Doing good, doing good. We got an exciting show for everyone today. Yes, we do. Let's go ahead and dive right into it with the movie news section of our show, where we kind of dive into the latest things in the trades and break down what they mean for everybody. So, Nick, what's our first news story? First story comes to us from Deadline, a follow-up from a story from a few weeks ago. Uh, Michael Jackson, the biopic, has a cast now. Oh, yes. Yes, Michael Jackson, the iconic singer, will be played by his 26-year-old nephew, Jafar Jackson, in the Antoine Fuqua directed film biopic for Lionsgate. Uh, Fuqua uh, recently posted a confirmation on Instagram. The singer-songwriter is the son of Jermaine Jackson, who's the brother of Michael and member of the Jackson 5. Jafar has been singing and dancing since age 12 and has showcased himself singing tunes from Sam Cooke to Marvin Gaye, along with his own originals. Yes, so uh, this is really interesting. Um, If I'm not mistaken, this is his first time going to be doing like a big acting role, other than like... Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, like, music video type stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see. Although it's not the first time we've seen this. Um, I believe it was Ice Cube's son who played him in Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. And uh, he's a... I love O'Shea Jackson Jr. He's a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit hesitant just because I don't know this person's acting ability. But it's in the family. He obviously has a very close connection to Michael Jackson. And will be able to have some sort of authenticity to be able to pull this off. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be interesting either way. What are your thoughts on the casting? I think so too. I mean, we were speculating who could play him mm-hmm. and someone in his family who has the same genes might as well yeah. sense. And to kind of allow the family to have a little, probably more agency over the biopic. Yeah. Given that they have someone on the inside. Essentially. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I think it's a, Great choice. I haven't heard him singing, so I'd be interested to look that up. But yeah, same. Look-wise, I looked up a photo of him. He could easily pull it off. Oh, yeah. Especially so. with, like, the Hollywood makeup artists and everything. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. And, and like, as I think one of the most challenging things of the role is going to be how Michael Jackson moves. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be no problem for him. It's just going to be interesting from an acting standpoint to have to go into that headspace of, like, a family member. Yeah. As opposed to just, a ran- you know, like, Rami Malek to... Yeah, uh, uh, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. You know, there's yeah. no relation there. It's yeah. like, oh no, this is my uncle. Yeah, yay. Yeah, yeah. Pre- a lot of pressure probably too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, just kind of wanted to follow mm-hmm. that up from last week with the casting announcement. What you got for us next? Uh, next door comes to us from Deadline as it prepares for negotiations for a new film and TV contract and a possible writer strike in May. The WGA West is once again blasting Warner Brothers Discovery for going back on its promise that the merger. That the merger that created the giant media conglomerate last year would create more opportunities for content creators. Yeah, so um, this is a big ongoing story that's been going on. So basically, um, the WGA has been thinking about striking, which uh, never good. Last time I remember the WGA specifically striking was around 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get movies like X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and Quantum of Solace. You know, not the... Classics. Not the, the best... Mm-hmm. And um, this is exactly what the WGA said in regards to them blasting Warner Brothers Discovery. Warner Media and Discovery promised that their merger would allow the new company to invest in more original content and create more opportunity for underrepresented, underrepresented storytellers. Less than one year after the merger's closed, Warner Brothers Discovery has laid off hundreds of workers, canceled, pulled, or written off $2 billion in content, spotlighting the predictable harms of the consolidation. Warner Brothers 
is the latest disastrous merger to demonstrate the harms of consolidation and particularly the threat to diversity when gatekeepers combine to increase their power, who, which was said by uh, Laura Blum-Smith, the Guild's Director of Research and Public Policy. Almost immediately after closing, Warner Brothers Discovery broke the hollow promises it had made of the merger benefits, and as a result, writers, including many women and people of color, have lost opportunities and future income while consumers are left with reduced variety and choice of content. So that's a hell of a blast to put Warner Brothers on. Mm-hmm. Um, it really just kind of goes to show that, um, you know, with Warner Brothers and David Zaslav doing a lot of canceling of their shows a lot of removing of original content from HBO and HBO Max, which we're going to get into with a later story. Thoughts are in the air about the whole thing going on, and I don't necessarily blame the WGA for trying to protect their writers from this situation, but I also think I have another half of my mind that's saying that there is a path that's being paved that we haven't seen before of just like, if it's not making us money, we're getting rid of it. Mm -hmm. Which, from a creator perspective... If your thing was making money a long time ago and it's not anymore, that sucks. So like from the creator's side of view, like I, I get it. Like that's a really shitty thing to be a part of. But I also almost kind of see the other side of just like trying to save money and do things. But it is kind of shitty that they promise like, hey, with the merger, we're not going to do anything crazy. And they fucking, they did stuff that was crazy, you know, via Batgirl. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I really want like these writers, especially the listed like, you know, women and people of color to get those opportunities and keep those opportunities. And I wonder if they're if there's a solution with Warner Brothers Discovery or if it's going to lead to something else. What are your thoughts on the whole WGA potential strike and kind of comments to Warner Brothers? You know, I mean, I think, you know, don't make promises you don't intend to keep. But at the same time, I'm asking that of a big business. Yeah, exactly. Or a politician, you know, kind of leads to the same end point. Yeah. Um, But I don't blame the WGA for wanting those rights, especially as new things are being unfolded. I think the biggest issue here is communication. Yeah. Because clearly these companies, and I'm not saying they have to communicate, mm-hmm. but when there's these strikes on the line, they're just like, no, no, no hold on, this is our plan. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing that, which means makes me want to believe that they're looking for ways to wiggle out of that. And I don't blame the WGA for wanting to protect their team. Yeah. No, I, I mm-hmm. completely see what you mean, and I agree. It's... It's an interesting situation to say the least, and we'll kind of follow it as it goes along. What do you guys think of the WGA putting Warner Brothers Discovery on blast with their comments, and whose side do you kind of really fall on there? Let yeah. us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. What you got for us next? Our next story kind of ties into that as well. It comes mm-hmm. to us from Variety. Uh, Roku and Fox Corporation's Tubi are set to bring a big bucket of free ad-supported content from Warner Brothers Discovery to their streaming platforms. Roku and Tubi are the first two partners for Warner Brothers Discovery's new free ad-supported streaming television, Fast Channels. Mm-hmm. The deal comes after Warner Brothers in December announced that it was removing several shows from HBO Max, including Westworld, The Nevers, Raised by Wolves, F-Boy Island, Legendary, Finding Magic Mike, Head of the Class, and The Time Traveler's Wife to license them to third-party Fast partners. Yes, yeah, so we were all kind of wondering when, you know, Speaking of, like, Warner Brothers Discovery doing drastic things, the canceling of their own shows, the removal of their own original content, it was just kind of like, well, what's going to happen to the shows? Like, if I, if I was a fan of them and wanted to watch them, like, where can I watch Westworld Season 4 because I still haven't watched it? Um, apparently, Roku and Tubi are the answers, which this is a very big thing that not a lot of people are really talking about. This is huge. It's kind of going back to the old school way of licensing out content. So basically the way that they can see profiting off of these projects is by having another company pay them to license the project because that sum they calculate 
is more than what it would make than the residuals they'd have to pay of it being on their service. Mm-hmm. So it was a very old school thing back when Netflix was like the only streamer. That's what everyone did to Netflix was just pay him, you know, that type of deal. And seeing a streaming service who already has the content do this with another service that's trying to build up being Roku. We've seen Roku make a lot of moves recently. Mm-hmm. This is interesting, especially with the ad-supported tiers. So I'm sure they're going to take a cut of that type of ad revenue. And I'm curious to see how successful this is. Like, if we see a bunch of people watching Westworld in these shows and it ends up making Warner Brothers Discovery money because of the deal, that's going to be very interesting. And I think we might see other companies follow suit. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? And do you see them making more old-school-style moves like this? I mean, what is the the difference of having it on a free platform with ads as opposed to your platform with ads? So I think, honestly, that just might be they didn't realize that they might have this ad tier ready when they were removing the shows because mm-hmm. a lot of it was just saving tax write-offs and they had to have it done by a certain point of the year. Okay. Um, but now they can't backtrack and put them back on. Exactly. At least not mm-hmm. for the first, for a while. Maybe yeah. when the new deal expires, they can because it's their content. They can eventually do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. But having like... Just like, hey, you guys want Westworld? <laughs> oh yeah, we want Westworld. All right, cool. Yeah. Give us money <laughs> and some ad cut of the ads. I assume they're getting a portion of the ads. I don't know that, but they're definitely getting money to have the shows be on there. So, yay, I get to finish Westworld. But at the same time, could this backfire? Like, there's a lot of questions that are raised that I'm just curious about. Yeah, I'm just because like this is a we're talking about a multi million dollar corporation. Yeah, here. realistically, if no one's watching it. How much are you saving by removing Westworld off of HBO You don't have to pay any of the actors any residuals, any Mm -hmm. of the writers any residuals, none of them, because the show's not on there. Pennies, you know? No. No. Because I'm sure actors' contracts at that time Mm -hmm. was, regardless of how many people watch it, you owe me this amount as long as it's on the service. One person watches it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they probably went after those shows that were making those big-time deals. And that's why you get, like, Raised by Wolves with had Ridley Scott's name on it. You have yeah. Westworld with had Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy's name on it. Mm-hmm. It's probably why a lot of that was starting to happen was for reasons like that. I just, I don't know. It seems like a weird move. Again, now, listen, from a consumer standpoint, it's really aggravating because I like the idea of having everything owned by the company at one place. That was kind of the point of these other companies creating their own streaming services. Yeah. So that is kind of weird that they're going backwards like that. But can it be a moneymaker is the real question. And if so... Other companies are going to probably fucking start doing it, and it's going to be upsetting. I think the most upsetting thing is, you know, I think that Westworld Season 1 is one of the best seasons of television ever made. Hands down, I agree. It it did fall off quite a bit. You know, Mm -hmm. it never reached the height of its first season, but it's sad to see something like that relegated to, you know, being sent out to pasture on some random streaming ad Mm -hmm. tier, you know? You feel bad for the people that, like, it was literally the best show of all time when it came out. Yeah, no, I I fully agree. To see it just downgrade like that. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe it does really well for Roku and Tubi, and maybe they grow as companies because of it. That would be nice. It seems like Roku's been sneaking up a lot of stuff lately. They have. They really put themselves on the radar with that Weird Al movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've been growing. They've been growing. But what do you guys think about the whole situation of Warner Brothers now putting a home for this content they've removed, which I am happy about, Mm -hmm. but do you think it's a good idea to license it out to other people? Do you think it'll be financially successful for them? Let us know as we move on to our next story. Nicholas, what you got for us next? Our next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter, and it's kind of a fun one for the show here. 
Uh, Tatiana Maslany, who most recently portrayed uh, She-Hulk on the Disney Plus series She-Hulk. Attorney at Law. (laughs) Attorney at Law. And Scream star Jasmine Savoy Savoy Brown are set to lead Josh Rubin's sci-fi horror Green Bank. Written by Aaron Horowitz, who wrote The Cleansing Hour, Green Bank takes place in a real American town where Wi-Fi, cell service, and all other radio transmissions are heavily forbidden. The film follows infant sleep trainer Sloan, played by Brown, who realizes that the parents of the child she's caring for are much more than the clueless yuppies they seem to be. Yeah, first of all, Josh Rubin. Yes, yes, friend we, of the show. Yes, friend of friend of the show. We love Josh Rubin. We interviewed he him interviewed once. once. And I'm going to call him friend of the show. Yes, and he, and he was really kind. He was oh, really yeah, he amazing. Was, yeah, very good. Cool. But um, he's a phenomenal director. For those that haven't seen Werewolves Within, please do. And mm-hmm. you watch Scare Me. I still haven't seen Scare Me. I did Scare very me. good as well. Yes, mm-hmm. so amazing. So I am thrilled about this, not only because it's a new Josh Rubin project, but also when he did the interview with us, he cheekily said that I'm working with someone who's in the Marvel Universe, which got us talking, figuring it out. Yeah. We now know it's Tatiana Mislani. And look, Tatiana Maslany is an amazing actress f- mm-hmm. from She-Hulk to Orphan Black. And um, Jasmine or Jasmine Savoy Brown, that's her name? It's spelled like Jasmine. I don't know the pronunciation personally. but They were great in the new Scream film, Scream 5. Absolutely. And that was, I believe, the first place I saw them. Mm-hmm. I really love them in that. Apparently, they're also in Yellow Jackets. I've heard great things which about Which I've that heard show. nothing but amazing things about as well. Mm-hmm. And look, that plot sounds awesome. Josh Rubin's a great director. This is a killer cast. Mm-hmm. Nothing but great news. I'm super excited about this movie. Yes. And I take it you are as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I Again, he was super nice, and it was so cool that he came on to do the interview with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has two talented actresses that he's working at. I'm curious you know, to see who rounds out the cast here, because he's yeah. already have some very good names. And... Uh, I don't think there was any information yet about a release date or anything. But no, I uh, didn't see one on there. I look forward to uh, watching it. I look forward to following up on all the stories about it, and I look forward to seeing the movie. Absolutely. Yes. An awesome job, Mr. Rubin. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. What do you got for us next? Our next story <laughs> is also a bit of a doozy here. Um, <laughs> James Mangold yes. may be trading in his whip. For a trip to swamp country. That's right. Mangold, who has Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny hitting theaters in May, is in early talks to be one of the first writer-directors to join James Gunn and Peter Safran's roster of filmmakers at DC Studios. Mangold is in discussions with the Warner Bros. arm to take on the feature adaptation of Swamp Thing, the supernatural horror-based hero who is a focal point in the first chapter of DC Studios' slate. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> Swamp Thing is coming, baby. Yes, he is. And, like, listen, James Mangold is, to me, one of the best movie directors working today. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Logan, Ford v. Ferrari, Walk the Line, which is one of the best fucking musical biopics ever, Girl Interrupted, Identity. Love this man. Love his movies. And knowing that, because we first started talking because he tweeted out a picture of Swamp Thing after the announcement, and we were like, oh, my God, like, James Mangold, What? James Gunn liked it, and we're like, what? And then yeah. this when that story on the trade came out, he was in talks. Look, I hope, obviously, the talks go through, because I really want him to make this. Mm-hmm. I know he has another movie to shoot um, after Indiana Jones, which I might be shooting even now or very soon. So he's got to do that and then do Swamp Thing. But look, I, fuck yeah, dude. Like, this is amazing news. What do you think about James Mangold directing Swamp Thing, and how excited does it make you? I hope he was not in talks to direct Swamp Thing and just tweeted out that image and then like James Gunn just DM'd him like the eye emoji like, and he sent the eye emoji back. You want to make Swamp Thing? And they just went straight to the Hollywood Reporter. 
Um, no, I, 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 I agree with your sentiments. I think he's uh, a fantastic director. And, you know, in terms of timeline, if he has another movie to film, you know, it mm-hmm. seems like chapter one of the DC universe is going well into... 2026 i would have to imagine you yeah. know so 2027 i think 2027 yeah. so we don't know exactly when swamp thing is going to take place and it also seems overall like swamp thing is going to be pretty far removed yeah um and a straight up like horror which is also Fuck rad yeah. and i'd love to see james mangle take on horror you got you got you got to see, has see the movie identity it's a horror movie it, it's horror-esque okay and i love it there's a twist that is so crazy it's so crazy uh-huh that like Part of you is like, really? And then as it goes, you're like, you know what? Fuck yeah. Like, I'm, I'm in. Like, as soon as you figure out. And it tells you, like, halfway through the movie. Like, it tells you, like, what's going on. And you're like, no fucking way. And it's it's great. I will have to watch that. I yeah. mean, yeah. I think it's it's great. And it's great for, uh, I think, two very distinct reasons as well. I think, one, it's reaffirming that Warner Brothers is very dedicated to repairing their director relationships. Yep. To be able to get names like that yep. is huge. And I think it also shows uh, for the DC side that they are dedicated to the universe. They're dedicated to getting talented directors who are established. And it probably will range. You know, James Gunn comes from indie film. I imagine there'll be a few indie film directors sprinkled in throughout. But it shows like we have everyone. We're doing different genres. We have all levels of talent, which is something I'm excited that Marvel has kind of been getting into lately as yeah. well with um bringing in talent as opposed to bringing up talent yeah you know like i think john john watts was great with the spider-man movies but he did cop car yeah but then you bring back you know sam raimi Raimi. yeah i mean my thoughts on multiverse of madness aside but like that they can have that range and i think it's great that james gunn and peter saffron are like no we're setting that precedent from the start like we're getting talent yeah and also fucking Swamp Thing. Come on. Yeah, dude, it's Swamp Thing. I fucking love Swamp Thing. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I, I think this is going to be one of those that are definitely R-rated. I mean, do you see who it's else gotta be R-rated. started tweeting images of Swamp Thing, too? Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Fucking A. I'm fine with either of these options. Yeah, yes, both are great. But yeah, love James Mangold. <laughs> love Swamp Thing. I think this is nothing but a great idea. What do you guys, guys think about James Mangold potentially directing Swamp Thing? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the B-roll section of our show. What's the B-roll? Well... It's an extension of the movie news section of the show where we just read off a couple headlines where we didn't have time to dive into them as topics, but still wanted to let you know what's going on. Nick, what's first up on the B-roll? First B-roll is a follow-up to the Oscar story regarding Andrea Risenborough's yes. uh, surprise nomination mm-hmm. here. The Academy's looking into the campaigns of the nominees for this year's Oscars. Uh, after the actor's grassroots campaign enlisted a number of celebrities to help spread the word, rumors have been swirling uh, about the aggressive campaign tactics. Uh Basically, long story short, her nomination is not being rescinded. They said they found a few flaws in their system, and they are looking into correcting them. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, she will keep her nomination. Good. That's They shouldn't have taken it away, and I, they're probably going to get more shitty about how you campaign, but I, I, I didn't think anything was particularly done incorrectly, and I, I think it's a great thing they didn't rescind her nomination, mm-hmm. and I can't wait for the jokes about it at the award show. Oh, yeah. You know they're starting up. Like, oh, yeah. I hope she does what was it um, that uh, uh, Rachel Segler did. was like, I was not supposed to be here Friday. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next story comes to us uh, from Collider. Ooh. Uh, this one's story 
was running around on a few different trades. I just picked the first article. Link. <laughs> um, the Penguin series is uh, officially confirmed to tie into the Batman sequel, Matt Reeves says directly. It's also uh, prepping to begin filming soon. Yes. Shocker? No, no shocker at all. <laughs> but um, this story was tagged on Facebook to Movie Nights from Michael Perkins, friend of the show. Thank you, Michael. And uh, yeah, I... I'm excited it leads directly into the Batman 2, and I hope mm-hmm. if there's more seasons, they just hop back and forth with the story, because I love Penguin and I love Colin Farrell. So, hell yeah. What's going on next? Uh, next story comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Boulder Light, the production banner behind the horror hit Barbarian, signs a first look deal with New Line. Yes, and uh, the reason why that's significant is because Zach Krieger just signed his big deal, so now the production company is going with him. Yep. So, it's probably going to have the same crew from Barbarian making his new film Weapons, which we talked about last week, and... I think that's exciting news. Yeah, good for that. Good for yeah. that whole team. Uh, I'm excited about this next one, Dalton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Bateman on the case to direct The Pinkerton for Warner Brothers and Bad Robot. I love Jason Bateman. I love Jason Bateman as well, and I think Bad Words is the most underrated comedy of all time. So what's interesting about this, right? Uh, the Pinkerton were a private security guard and detective agency established in the U.S. by Scotsman Alan Pinkerton in 1850. Pinkerton became famous when he claimed to have foiled a plot to assassinate President-elect Abraham Lincoln, who later hired Pinkerton agents for his personal security during the Civil War. This is being described as a supernatural revenge western hybrid with the script that was uh, acquired two years ago and was sold as a spec by F9's Daniel Casey. Well, it sounds awesome. Jason Bateman's a great director, but Pinkerton really couldn't have been there the second time, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is also an interesting follow-up really quick aside, um, Mm -hmm. because uh, remember he recently left the uh, Scarlett Johansson movie as director as well, and it looks like he's wasting no time getting back into the director's Oh, absolutely not. And our uh, last B-roll story also comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter, if my article would load. (laughs) Tom Hanks and Robin Wright are set to be de-aged in Robert Zemeckis' new movie using what is being called a metaphysic AI tool. Okay? Yeah. So we've seen different types of de-aging going on. Marvel started doing it in like 2015 and so on, and it looked fine. And then the Irishman did it, and we were like, it doesn't look as good as you think it looks. Mm -hmm. And then um, The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett did it, and it was like crazy good. Mm -hmm. And so now I think it's just going to continue getting better. But I'm curious to see how it looks, but I got to say, look, Robert Zemeckis has made some of the all-time great films, including one of my favorite films ever made, Back to the Future. He has not made a great movie in a long time, (laughs) and I'm hoping that maybe with Tom Hanks and Robin Wright, it can happen. I have been on a big Tom, Tam Honks downgrade (laughs) lately. Yeah. yeah. I know they both recently just did Pinocchio together. Yeah. And that didn't go well. Uh, I was not a fan of uh, Tom Hanks in Elvis. Mm Mm-hmm. Man Called Auto is apparently doing all right, yeah, but I, I that's also might be yeah. your parents' favorite movie yeah, kind of yeah. deal, you know? Uh-huh. But here's the thing, Dalton. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Robin, right? <laughs> so I hope to God it's good because she yep. has not been in anything recently except for Wonder Woman, I feel like. Yeah. And she kind of got screwed in that one and as well as her House of Cards deal. Yeah, she got screwed there too. So, you know... Hopefully this works. I I hope so, too. I hope so, too. But, yes, that'll do it for the B-roll section of our show. And now we're going to move on to the box office. The box office section of our show is where we break down the top five box office of last week. When the video comes out, I will have the final Monday numbers in the description of the video for you to look at. And they can go crazy because last week they did. Number five jumped to three. It was a whole thing. But this time we got some fun stuff to dive into. 
Nicholas, pull up our predictions from last week. I'll tell you right now, they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dalton, you had... uh, Oh, Dalton, you had Knock at the Cabin, number one. Mm -hmm. Avatar, number two. Puss in Boots, number three. Man Called Auto, number four. Megan, number five. I had Knock at the Cabin, number one. Avatar, two. Puss in Boots, three. Megan, four. 80 for Brady, five. Boy, do I have news for you. We were once again both incorrect, but we both did get the first one right. Coming in number one, finally dethroning Avatar after seven weeks, number one in a row, was Knock at the Cabin, making $14.2 million. You can see our movie review for that here on the channel. Coming in second, second place, 80 for Brady, making $12.5 million. Uh, Coming in third in its eighth week, Avatar The Way of Water, making $10.8 million. Coming in fourth, Put Some Boots, The Last Wish, which made $7.9 million, staying in the top five, Put Some Boots. And coming in fifth, A Man Called Otto, making $4.1 million. So, this is an interesting list. I did not expect 80 for Brady to go t- uh, $12 million. Man but called, hey, Man Called Otto, number five? Yeah. But hey, good for that audience, though, you know? Oh, we'll get into 80 for Brady. Don't you <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Yes, yes. So, uh, Knock at the Cabin worldwide so far has made $21.2 million. And let's see what the budget was. The budget was $20 million, So, it has the budget already. Look at that. I think by maybe next week or the week after, it'll be in profitability. And that's really good for them. Uh, 80 for Brady um, has not released worldwide. So, it's just the 12.5 that was domestic let's look at the budget for do you think that 80 brady will, will play well worldwide though probably not it seems specifically american it was made in a budget of 28 million so that that movie might make some money which is awesome uh let's dive into avatar now which came in third mm-hmm. avatar has a worldwide total of 2.17 billion dollars um i think it's getting closer and closer to becoming the third highest grossing movie of all time passing james cameron's other movie uh passing james cameron's titanic but it is still fourth as of right now Mm -hmm. let's dive into puss in boots which now has 350 million worldwide good for them good for them oscar nominated and a man called Otto has made 83 million worldwide so that that made some good money for the studio as well good for them for funsies i'll dive into megan which i finally saw i enjoyed it quick review (laughs) (laughs) recommend or don't recommend (laughs) i recommend 154 million worldwide. Um, I'm ready. I'm really excited for Megan 2.0. And uh, just to M3 Gen 2. Just to say, Plane has made 35 million dollars worldwide. Plane fucking rules. I'm gonna try to catch Plane before it leaves theaters. Plane, as of right now, is still my number one movie of the year of 2023. Of 2023. So yeah, some really decent surprises on this list. Um, really fascinated by that. And here's the thing. We're going to we're gonna predict next week's movies. Mm-hmm. There's a big movie that comes out next week. However, that it's, no one is talking it's about. not been marketed at all, and I'm starting to get worried about his performance. Although, not that worried, because I'm still going to predict it number one. I'm going to dive into my predictions right now. Coming in at number one next week, which I'm so excited for, is Magic Mike, The Last Dance, number one. Okay. Uh, coming in at number two... I'm going to go knock at the cabin. Three eighty for Brady. 
for avatar, five puss and boots, the last wish. Solid, solid. I'm going to go with Magic Mike as well. Mm -hmm. I hope that even though it's lack of marketing, people will still turn out for it. Also, new Soderbergh, and I'm fucking pumped because I love Steven Soderbergh. Yes. Um, Next, I'm going to go Knock at the Cabin number two. Mm -hmm. Call me crazy. I'm going to go Avatar. Okay. Number three. I'm predicting a big old drop. For 80? For 80. For Brady in fourth, and then I'm going to go Puss in Boots. So there's something that we're not considering. Fifth. Guess what else comes out that weekend? Oh boy, the re the three D re release of Titanic. <laughs> Here's the thing: Avatar is so close to passing Titanic, and yet Titanic's just gonna make just enough to stay number three. That's <laughs> just so fucking funny to me. I'm going to change my answer. You, then you you think Titanic's gonna get in the top five? It is Valentine's Day. I think Titanic is going to knock off Puss in Boots. You know what? And I'm going to put in my fifth slot. What do I have in fifth? Man Called Auto? Puss in Boots. I have Puss in Boots fifth? Yeah. You have Magic Mike, Knock at the Cabin, 80 for Brady, Avatar, Puss in Boots. You know what? Take off Puss in Boots, put in Titanic. You've convinced me. So ours is pretty much the same now, except I think that 80 for Brady is going to drop off and go below Avatar. We'll see. We shall see. We shall see. It's going to be interesting. Next week is going to be interesting. Absolutely. I'll be sad if Magic Mike doesn't open number one. I'll say it. I'll be very sad. Uh, I think what's interesting about it is it looks like a very deep character study. It does. And I feel like that's going to disappoint so many people. Not me. Oh, no, not <laughs> I'm me. I'm there. I'm there regardless. Uh, but yes, that will be the box office section of our show. With that down, <laughs> we are now going to move on to the movie review section of our show. And here's the thing, guys. I once again, um, because I was had was planning a little bit of something of a surprise for hannah i did not get a chance to see 80 for brady but as part of the surprise i had to get hannah out of the house and hannah did see 80 for brady and so did you hell yeah i did so i'm gonna go see if hannah wants to do the review for 80 for brady i'll be right back i'm sure she'll love this editing's weird hannah hi what's up i am i i was just pulled i was in the other room i was working on stuff and dalton was like come in here do this thing and i was like okay great so we're here we're doing the thing well you know the last few weeks it seems like only dalton or i have seen the movie and the one-sided ones while they they play well i think you know it misses that banter so someone was actually cool and saw 80 for brady with us now granted dalton was doing something sweet and nice but that's beside the point it's fine it's fine it's fine um so yes well thank you for hopping in of course what were your thoughts on 80 for brady starring jane fonda lily tomlin rita moreno sally field tom brady guy fieri billy porter wow what a lineup star studded it was a cinematic masterpiece let me tell you (laughs) were you also scared tom brady was gonna pop out the screen and try to give you a kiss (laughs) I am now if I watch it again, man. (laughs) Um, But yeah, 80 for Brady. Um, I went in going in for, you know, expecting just a good time, Mm -hmm. just a fun laugh. I didn't have high expectations. So um, I don't know. It was exactly that. Um, (laughs) Was it the best movie I've ever seen? No. Um, Did I have a couple laughs? Yeah. Was it pretty 
cheesy at times and some of the jokes did land yes mm-hmm. i mean overall um it was fine it's kind of how i feel um if you go in knowing that it's just kind of you know a, a, a chill fun movie you can go and watch great i wouldn't write home about it but it wasn't like terrible what, what did you mm-hmm. think I have a few interesting thoughts on it, actually. Yeah. One, I think the only good thing about the movie is the four main leads. Right. I think their chemistry saves it, and I'm glad that they probably got a solid payday for it. I mean, you have four Oscar nominees, three Oscar winners. You have a nine-to-five reunion with uh, Jane Fonda and uh, That's so right. uh, Lily Tomlin. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Two Aunt Mays, too. Two Sally Aunt- Field was Andrew Garfield's Lily Tomlin voiced Aunt May in oh the God. Spider-Verse movie. Yeah, a bunch of stuff happening. Wow. I believe some of them, I think Jane Fonda and Rita Moreno may have also competed the same year in the same category at the Oscars. They're so talented. You have to fact check me on that one. But I know two of them did compete the same year. Wow. Um, But, I mean, they, they make a meal out of it. You could tell yeah. they were having a good time just hanging out. And good for them. You know, they're all older, you know, to hang out your friends, get a good payday. Can't be wrong with that. What's weird to me is the Tom Brady of it all. How so? Tom Brady produced a movie about himself. <laughs> Right? Felt like a propaganda film for Tom Brady, yes. who just announced his retirement again. Again, and he allegedly has never met the women that the movie's based off of, really? and decided to produce a movie about them, that which is just seems... weird. Yes, that's odd. Yeah, that would have been great if they had met him, or if it was mm-hmm. like a I don't know, like an after credit scene of like, hey, here's the real women, or I don't yeah. know, like, or maybe like. Like an interview or something. Yeah, Yeah. man, that would have been cool. What a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that does feel very self-indulgent now that you say that. Hey, let's make a movie about me. Yeah. About me being great and then not. Who would you say was your favorite of the four? Um, Of the four, probably Rita Moreno. Rita Moreno? Okay, I liked her. I loved Sally Field. Yes. But I love Sally Field in everything. She can do no wrong. Um, And I loved her whole side storyline with Guy Fieri yes listen Guy Fieri <laughs> shared the screen with four Oscar <laughs> and he went toe-to-toe with them and he may have stolen several scenes from the movie they're not wrong he didn't do bad Guy Fieri I was he actually shocked by that but I mean it was you know the script was fine yeah. it feels like one of those AI written movies oh my god like it someone does. put it into like a chat chat GPT and they were like Tom Brady movie <laughs> and they were like okay here you go yep they were like, eighty and Brady rhyme. And they were like, you're goddamn right, it does. <laughs> People eat it up. Um, the thing is, and, and when the scenes had to be dramatic, you know, like Lily Tomlin's speech at the end. Yeah. I thought, you know, I mean, again, these are Oscar caliber actresses, so I think that really relies on it. But, I mean, it's not great. No. Unfortunately. It's fun. It's light. But I'll be honest. I don't think it's a recommend from me. I would agree. Unless you really love Tom Brady. <laughs> I think you can skip this one. Or if you really love all four actresses and yeah. have 90 minutes. But I don't think you need to go to theaters for this one. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to stick to it. Don't recommend. I will completely agree. What mm-hmm. It wasn't, like I said at the beginning, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I won't, probably won't watch it again. And, I mean, it, it was very fine. Very mid, you know, like mm-hmm. it didn't do anything huge, terrible that I can complain about. But it really didn't blow me away. Like there wasn't anything, yes, besides the actresses and the performances yeah. that were standout-ish about and, it. And I mean, the script itself that they were working with was rough to was begin with. Rough, so the fact yeah. that they were able to kind of get some of the stuff that they had. Yes. Um, also, I don't know if you noticed, a lot of the framing and blocking was really weird in the movie. And I don't know if that's a thing of, you know, you have these four actresses, they're all older, 
mm. if you just kind of put them in the space and then just let them go to town. Because right. I'm not going to tell Rita Moreno what to do. You know what I mean? Right. Who the fuck am I? Yeah, literally, I'm just a peon. So it's like, you know, it felt like they just kind of put him in like the yeah. living room and just <laughs> let the cameraman just like, <laughs> let's see, where are they at? Where are they at? <laughs> go, go, go. Yeah. That's a good point. Now that you mentioned that, it was. Yeah, some of the stuff was odd. Yes. And and the shots were kind of boring, too. Not that it needed to be like mm-hmm. this crazy cinematic masterpiece, yeah. but you're right. It was just kind of bland all around mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's guess, about it, yeah. I guess that's not the greatest, most elaborate review ever, but that kind of fits with the movie. There's I, not, feel like. I feel like there's not a lot to go in depth on, though. It's yeah. kind of just, you saw the trailer. It's exactly what you expect it's it to exactly. be. And if that's what you're into, cool. If it's not, cool. There were people in our audience. Um, eating it up. Eating it up. Ooh, Pe- yeah. Like clapping. They were cheering. And any Definitely the, Tom Brady fans. 100%. Mm-hmm. Anything that was dramatic, like I heard like gasps and, you know, like they were, they ate it up. But they were also middle age yeah. so we're obviously not the demographic for this um mm-hmm. as well but um again if yeah if it's your cup of tea go for it mm-hmm. well yeah. thanks for coming out to the movies when some people won't trash and uh thanks for hopping on to the review and if you've seen 80 for brady let us know what you think in the comments below i bet you she made some fucking dumb joke about editing <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's almost like someone told her to make the joke. She's going to be so pissed. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, before we wrap things up, uh, I kind of just want to take it back and be casual. Something we tried out last week where we just kind of talk about, you know, things that we were able to check out. Um, What did you check out last week, dude? I checked out a lot, actually. Oh. I've been on my run of uh, catching up for the Oscars here. Um, So I watched... Six of the ten episodes of Mighty Ducks Game Changer season two. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, the most I watched that. I, I liked that show. They got mm-hmm. rid of Gordon Bombay in season two, but they brought in Josh Dumont, so I'm vibing with that. Um, I also watched the ninth episode out of ten of the National Treasure series on Disney Plus. Oh, trash! It's not good. It's so bad. What about Riley? He's in like one episode. No. It's, yeah, it's not, you know what it does that annoys me the most, I think? There's no thought that goes into the the riddles. Yeah. Someone just happens to know everything. Riddle me and piss. They're, and they're like, I'm good at riddles. Yeah. Or I'm good at puzzles. Or it's like someone would know that like Elvis's grand, great, great grandmother was like some sort of Native American and that this symbol on her jacket means this. And the guy's like what i like elvis and you're like there's also dalton if i told you the reveal that happens in episode nine Mm -hmm. i want to watch episode 10 because it's so dumb (laughs) that i want to know how they explain it yeah also last of us episode three phenomenal i I still need to watch i've heard that the third episode is crazy good it's terrific um 80 for brady obviously um, I watched uh, a few different uh, Oscar-nominated shorts. I watched uh, Night Ride, which was a live-action one. It was all right. I watched Hall Out, which is one of the documentary shorts. That mo- documentary is incredible. It's 30 minutes. I would highly recommend it to everyone. It is on YouTube. It is called Hall Out. Um, I watched the other documentary, Stranger at the Gate. That was fine. Um, I watched the animated The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. I think that is your front runner from the animated ones I've seen so far. Okay. 80 for Brady, naturally. 
Uh, I watched uh, two more of the documentaries, The Elephant Whispers and The Martha Mitchell Damn, Effect. you did go crazy. Oh, yeah. Those are both on Netflix. Those are fine, too. The Elephant Whispers one is cool. I realized I like elephants. <laughs> you ever watch something you're like, I didn't know I cared for elephants this much. Yeah, every time I go to Disney. Uh, I watched My Year of Dicks, which was another animated one. Yeah. Not that great. Um, <laughs> and I watched That's All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. How yes. was that? I've been wanting to watch that. Very good. Uh-huh. Very good. You know, I... It's a war movie. Yeah. And I think a lot of war movies repeat the same beats. Mm-hmm. And I like war movies, so I have mm-hmm. no issue with that. Yeah. But you kind of like, do you want to give something five stars? Yeah. Even though you've seen it before. Now, on yeah. a technical level. Yeah. Absolutely deserving of every single nomination it got. Okay. But war movie. Yeah. I, I get Is it. Is that a fair critique? That did feels it, like it's not a did fair Did it at least have that emotional punch that the war movies need to have in order to like... At Being times. successful, okay. At times. You know who was in it that showed up randomly? Who? Daniel Bruhl. Really? Yeah. He's oh, in it for a hot minute. Good for Zemo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the action scenes, the scale of it, it was awesome. Yeah. So, I do recommend people to check that out. That's nice. The only thing I watched last week was Megan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw it with my bro, Brendan. It, I liked it. I liked the movie. I thought it was fun and good mm-hmm. and a little creepy. I do agree that Malignant's better, mm-hmm. but... um. There's not many things that I think are better than Malignant, so that's that works. I just it felt like a weird Yeah, I don't know. It just felt like following as a follow up to to Malignant as in the next feature after it. I don't know, it just felt like they, they dialed it back a little bit. Especially I think the PG thirteen rating had a lot of holdouts on it. <laughs> Did she write something that you're just discovering? Do you know? How things just align in the universe of how we love something and don't know that it's connected. Yeah. She wrote the fucking Iron Fist episode in Luke Cage. Did she really? Yeah, she did. <laughs> the best episode. <laughs> the best episode of Luke Cage. I love Akila Cooper. I take back. <laughs> that might retroactively go make my Megan rating higher. Yeah. <laughs> like I was Because uh, Malignant's five stars, baby. Like, I don't know how we when, go from when there. When we were talking yeah, about yeah. it, I was like, oh, let me just go through IMDb real quick. Because, like, I knew about Malignant and Megan, and I'm like, she wrote four episodes of Luke Cage, and she just says she wrote two in season one and two in season two, and the one in season two that she wrote was the fucking one with Iron Fist. That's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so fucking funny. I love that episode. That's good. Oh, good shit. Good for Akila Cooper. I can't wait to see more stuff that she does. Yeah. Oh. Well, Megan 2.0 is next, I believe, right? Uh, Let's see. She has Megan 2.0 and... Oh, no. Dude, I didn't know this. She's writing The Nun 2. Is she really? Yes. Sign me all the way up. Oh, the first one was so trash. Okay, she's writing it with other people, though. It's her, Ian Goldberg, and Richard um, Nying. Okay, yeah, but the first Ouija wasn't good either. Hey. David Sandberg did Ouija too. No, David no Sam- Annabelle. David yes. Sandberg did Ouija. I'm mixing everyone. David Sandberg you know the did point Annabelle. Mike Flanagan did Ouija too. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Good. Good. Good job. And Craig Mazin did Last of Us. Yes. Huh. Oh, and the person directing the Nun too is who the guy who made Conjuring Three. You know, I and, didn't. And La Llorona. I didn't hate Conjuring Three. Neither did I, and I didn't think La Llorona was a good movie, but I thought the directing was the best part of it. That's how I feel about Conjuring Three. I think. Yeah. 
All right, so you have a solid writing team and <laughs> watch the nun to be fucking. <laughs> they they might have. They might have something here. Maybe, maybe we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's that's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you everyone so much for watching, and I'm gonna go watch that episode of Iron Fist with Luke Cage in it. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh man! Uh, all right, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.